Where do you get your ideas from? An idea tree. Oh, you fucking lucky duck. <laughs> I can't get one of those. You just, you just got a whole bunch cut down. Uh, but none of them were idea tree. No, it doesn't matter. I had an idea that popped. It was weird how it popped into my head. I've been having these a lot lately. I guess it's good. It's like creativity. I think it's because I'm writing one thing. So it's like, hey, here's a bunch of cool yeah. shit you could be writing. You're just trying to come up with new things to distract you. Yeah, either that is just because I've been reading David Foster Wallace. So now I'm just all about character studies mm. in like my subconscious, not like. My actual writing, I don't care so much. But in my subconscious, it's like, hey, what makes people tick, man? Well, I was delivering to a healthcare place that I always deliver to. And there's one guy who works in, like, the receiving. So I see him all the time. And they have to wear scrubs there. This particular time, he just, I, he must have been his day off or something. He was just wearing Assless stri- scrubs. No, not assless scrubs. That would be a different story. <laughs> he was, he came in wearing uh, just, like, street clothes. So he, I guess he wasn't working that day. And, uh... Who knows what he was getting, but a weird thought instantly popped into my head. A very nefarious thought. It's like, this guy's going to shoot up the place. <laughs> like, I don't know why. That's just what popped into my head. I was like, this guy is going to like do one of these crazy work shootings. And then like, I'm wheeling in the stuff I'm delivering and he opens the door for me like he normally does when I'm there. And I was just thinking, wouldn't that be interesting? Like if you think about like some kind of shooting or something, just from like the point of a character study where... Okay, this character, he goes about his daily routine, you know, Monday through Friday, we'll just say like a basic nine to five job. And he's doing, you know, what he always does, but then maybe he gets fired. Okay, so he's fired, and then he's like, oh, I already hated that job. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot it up. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna shoot it up. So he goes back, but still subconsciously, there's that fucking base, like, this is what you do at work mm-hmm. mentality. Even though you're gonna do something horrible. And I was just thinking, like, how could you stretch that, too? Just think about, like, somebody who worked at, like, some shitty retail place forever. And they go in, and they're going to shoot up the place. But then they notice, like, a clothes hanger is, like, yeah. crooked, and they fix it real quick. Or I was just thinking, because he held the door for me. And I was just like, what if he didn't even realize he held it? What if he was going to go shoot up the place, but he didn't even realize he was still being yeah. nice to somebody? Because that's what he's almost trained to do. I was like, you could have an interesting story just with those aspects, I think. What I like about that idea is just, like, that random, like act of kindness before something terrible yeah. happens that nobody knows that like, can foresee Well, that could build the tension, too. That character, like like the audience, or, you know, the reader, they might not realize, like, oh, he held the door, he's being nice, and not realizing, like, you won't be able to see it coming as easily as if he comes storming in or something. Like, oh, he held the door. But, like, you could have, like, the whoever the protagonist is point out, it's like, oh, it's weird that he's there in street clothes. I've never seen him in street clothes. Like, think of, like, a doorman or something at, like, uh, one of those fancy apartment buildings in New York. It's like, oh, the doorman's there. He holds, he holds the door for me every day, and he's very nice. And he always said, hey, what's up, Jack? And he slaps my hand. But today, he was wearing street clothes. And I thought that was weird because he's always working on Mondays. And I say, hey, what's up, man? You, you off today? He didn't say anything, but he still held the door open for me. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. And you wouldn't think it was him, though, probably. Like, say you didn't see what happened. So, like, the protagonist, he would just assume like oh my god something horrible is happening but you wouldn't necessarily like, I think, hope the doorman's okay yeah but then you're like wait a minute like the it slowly might start clicking into place i just i just that was an interesting idea that popped in my head is how just to break down a character in such a way where you could use that as to ratchet up the tension and give maybe a little twist that the the reader isn't expecting but they should have you know like a nice foreshadowing of uh well, it's just not normal that this guy's wearing street clothes but it would be so small of a thing that you might not think about it at the time but then the aftermath you know how after accidents people are always like oh man there's the warning signs we should have seen them 
But yeah, because David Foster Wallace's work, he has all kinds of crazy shit like that where it's like at the end you're like, oh man, should have seen all of that coming, but he was just so smart that I didn't. Another bit of fun news before we go into the actual episode. Uh, I did take your recommendation and listen to that uh, KingCast episode with Stephen King. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty good. Uh, I What I found interesting about that particular episode was how detached uh, a writer can get when they have so much work out. Yeah. It, because, yeah. like, while he was giving, like, genuine answers and stuff, like, they kept bringing up Revival because it's such a good book. And you could tell, like, he really doesn't care about that book too much. Like, he, he didn't know, he didn't remember the main character, one of the main characters' names. And he was just going on about, like, oh, wait, what happened here? What happened there? So he wrote the fucking book. But because he writes so much, he's kind of detached from it. And you figure, too, like, that's in the, that's newer within, like, the last 10 or 15 yeah. years. I'm sure, like, that's, like, the details of the stories doesn't stick to you like whenever he's in the like whenever he was in the grips of like writing like the shining oh, or, yeah. or the stand or something like that you know what i mean well we talked about before how there's times where we stumbled upon like one of our old stories on the site and we're like hey this is pretty good or that's dog shit or whatever our thoughts are and they're like oh wait i wrote that yeah. <laughs> like you just completely forget not just the title but the whole story you're reading you're like this this kind of sounds familiar did i read this before and then you realize it's your story well when you uh, when you were sick a few weeks ago and you posted of you reading that one story that I wrote, I loosely remembered, like, the idea, but, like, as I'm listening, I'm just like, I wonder what happened. Like, yeah, I don't oh, remember, yeah. Like, I don't remember what I, like, the, what I a did. A apocalypse story, yeah. yeah, about the guy who, uh, it's in, like, a near-distant future where uh, he, it's like an apocalypse setting and he's hiding out in a recreational yeah. weed place or something. Uh, I forgot about that story too, but yeah, it's funny. Like, so you, you listen to it like, wait, what happens here? I wrote this story. I don't remember what happened, but imagine being like a Stephen King with full books that people right. love and cherish and come up. Cause everybody has a personal favorite. They come up to you and ask all these questions and stuff. And you might be like, I, I fucking don't I remember. No clue. Uh, the other, I ended up listening to another episode, the I, following one. You think you would get mad if it's, it's like, say the one time I, like I got to meet him and I was just like, and I don't know. This isn't even my, my favorite co- book, Mr. King, but I got to know how much coke was in soon <laughs> before Kodro, because, you know, the, the, yeah. the story was the bender through, like, the weekend or whatever, but, like, how much, do you remember how much, <laughs> like, how much coke did you have to snort to fucking create Kudro? I feel like he wouldn't get offended by that, but I don't know him, so I don't know. And then I listened to the following episode that had Patton Oswald on. Oh, yeah. And they talked about, mainly the thing they talked about was the jaunt, which mm-hmm. I never read. Uh, and the way they were talking about it, I was like, oh, I want to check. Before that episode was over, I checked out the story because it's just a short story. Yeah. And I looked up the PDF of it because I remember, I think in the King episode, he the one host was like, oh, man, it's the most fucked up ending ever. So I, I read the ending. I'm not going to give it away here uh, for a 40-year-old fucking story. But uh, it was very fucked up. I was like, holy shit. Uh, so that's something I'm going to read soon probably. It, it was one of the uh, one of the, the rare times that a Stephen King just straight like sci-fi story like actually worked because a lot of times this sci-fi can get like a little wonky uh you know especially if that's like the main focus yeah like i'm tommy knockers yeah uh it gave me um like old school paul like uh not carvonegat um i can't remember now uh there's an older sci-fi writer philip k dick Mm. Kind of gave me like kind of those vibes, but with like this really fucking twisted ending, and I was just like, oh man, I I'm gonna have to check that out because it's only like 16 pages or something. I say it should be in 
Yeah, I have one, it. I have it in the collection. Yeah, and one year that collection, your di- the digital thing you got. Digital, digital, digital intro music. You are listening to. What are we listening to? Uh, a, a podcast of sorts. Um, are we in the jaunt still? Just an endless void of nothing. Yeah. So this is like year three trillion five. Yes. I'm gonna fucking touch my mic a lot, real quick. I just like touching it. Mm. It's phallus like. I don't know. Maybe it's uh saying something. What do you think it's saying? It's saying that you're listening to the drunken pen writing podcast. That's what's saying. Damn it! Boom! Coming from the jaunt. <laughs> 40-year-old Stephen King story that nobody probably remembers other than Stephen King fans, which are a lot of those. I'm your host, Caleb James. Uh, what the fuck is your name, brother? Brother! I am here as always with Spencer, the Malaysian microphone muncher church. I was going to say mountain man, but that didn't seem... That doesn't fit. I don't even know if there's mountains in Malaysia. I don't know much about Malaysia, other than they have a good bit of pollution, which is unfortunate. Today, uh, we are sponsored by Mangrate. Uh, If you want to grill and you need a hefty... No, I don't think Mangrate's even around anymore. If you need to grow, like... No, we need to start, like, mixing, like, that mix that with, like... The, the ball shaver be like, do you need a do you need a cook a shake but also save your balls at the same time? <laughs> yeah. Ew. And also kinda yeah. <laughs> you just don't have the time to do both. <laughs> Who's that busy? <laughs> Today's episode The Rock. Yeah, The Rock is a very busy guy. I we're not gonna talk about Will Smith. <laughs> Because by the time this airs, maybe something will have happened, but it's been fucking on stop on the news. And I'm saying, you know, there's like a war in the Ukraine still. Like, doesn't that kind of top celebrity slaps other celebrity? Um, anyway, today's episode, and I only brought Will Smith up because it almost relates to this episode. Very, very rarely. No, are we going to be getting jiggy with it for the episode? I hope so. <laughs> um, <laughs> you see, Spencer. The other day, uh, I was in a bit of a melancholic mood. I was driving at work, and I just was like, eh, I don't want to listen to podcasts. I don't want to think. Ah, just, I just remember, better days, better days, better days. And then I uh, put on, on my Amazon Music that I have. I know people make fun of me because I don't have Spotify or Pandora. I have Amazon Music. Uh, because I want to give Jeff Bezos all my money. <laughs> Fucking get rich, you bald-headed fuck. He's, he's, he's too poor. He's too poor. He needs to have money, poor guy. <laughs> Gotta help him out. Well, I didn't want to listen to any angry music, so I just put on a 90s uh, radio station. First song that came up was What's Going On by Four Non-Blondes. I don't remember the last time I've heard that song, but it instantly brought me back to when I was... I don't even know how old. A very young man of maybe six, seven, eight, nine. I don't know when that fucking song came out. I was, I wasn't a teenager yet. I'll say that. And my sister, you know, she grew up in the '90s, so she was a teenager in the '90s, and she listened to that kind of stuff. So I just brought back these very vivid memories 
of when I was a kid and they're listening to that stuff. And then all of a sudden I was just hit with fucking Kurt Cobain, Nirvana, Grunge and Pearl Jam and just all the fucking songs in my youth. And I was like, holy shit, 90s were so great. And then I started thinking about all the shows I watched. As things go, I eventually got to the books that I was reading as a little kid. And I was thinking, oh man, I remember Goosebumps and I remember fucking old Sherlock Holmes stories I read. And then I just started getting depressed because I was like, everything just seemed so much simpler back then. And like I, when I started writing when I was a kid, it was on old, ancient, I don't even, it's probably worth a million dollars now, but it's probably in the garbage somewhere, uh, old typewriter. And I was just like, oh, those were such fun times, just telling stories for the fun of it. And then I just started thinking, I wonder what Spencer was doing in the 90s. I wonder what old Spencer was listening to and what he was writing. And, and then, because uh, you're a couple years younger than me, so yeah. I'd imagine Four Non Blondes wasn't on your playlist. <laughs> no, I mean, probably Unless not. Unless your brother was listening to it. I don't think so. But No. But, uh, like, so I figured a little nostalgia uh, never hurts anyone because that's all we live through now because life Remember sucks so berries. bad. Remember berries. Remember We'll start off with books because we got into we you talked about this before, like when you first started reading Stephen King and comics and stuff. But what was your like first literary adventure? Because mine, I think I mentioned this on the podcast. My cousin actually owned a used bookstore right next to my house. Yeah. Which is why I started reading things like Moby Dick and Sherlock Holmes when I was like way too young to understand that stuff. But I picked up a lot of uh, fantasy books back then, too, because I like the covers. And I didn't understand some of what was going on, but everything, like, I think she fucking, my cousin just gave me books sometimes. Mm -hmm. But that was, like, my first introduction. And then we had the book fairs at school, Mm -hmm. and those are when I actually got, like, what would be considered age-appropriate books, like Goosebumps, and, uh, which I guess you, I don't know if you could, uh, considered age-appropriate now, but, like, those, uh, Scary Tales to Tell in the Dark, Mm -hmm. I was a big fan of those with the horror covers and the illustrations, and, uh. I like that movie they did a couple years ago, too, by the way. That's when I actually got into stuff that was, uh, I could comprehend, like, all of it. Uh, because, you know, a little kid reading Sherlock Holmes, I'm only getting, like, the gist of the mm. story. Like, some of it's kind of going over my head. And even some of those hard fantasy stories, I was like, this is cool, they got swords. But, like, I probably don't, you know, obviously I don't remember even what the titles were, so they must have not stuck with me that much. But what was your first first uh, experience with this kind of stuff that you started maybe even just dipping your toes in the water? I mean, probably the first thing would probably just be, you know, reading something for school. Because mm-hmm. um, like I said, before that, I was never really a big reader. I mean, when I was like little, little, I had, you know, shit ton of like little critter books and like the bursting bears and like that kind of stuff. Right. But um, nothing um, like literature, you like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I think it might have been middle school they had us like in like in the class it was you know people would take turn reading and you'd have to maybe like read some on your own the giver i forget the name of the the the, um the author but it was like very i think they made a movie out of it not too long ago but it was you know like you know they like they lived in like these like um these people like lived in these like walled off society and it was very like um Things were gray and stuff, but if you got outside, like, I, I can't remember exactly what it was. It, it was almost something that I was thinking about seeing if I could, like, track down now to mm. get in, to just give it another read now. Because I think it's supposed to be, like, um, a very, like, popular, you know, mm. book. If not, I can't remember if it was just, like, a 
like a young adults novel because they didn't really have that kind of stuff back then. We had, which is still probably before our time, but they're still lingered around. Was like Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're making new ones at the time, but I know like at book fairs and stuff, I would always see those. And like I said, Goosebumps was probably the closest to uh, like the books for you know our like I said our age bracket. I don't know if you went back and read a, a Goosebumps now, what age group would you put that in? Yeah. Uh, because I feel like a lot of YA stuff almost falls under that now, uh, just because of the writing style and everything. So, because he R.L. Stein writes kids books too. So if Goosebumps aren't actually kids books, then what are they? Yeah, true. Or, or he, I think he writes adult books. I'm thinking of James Patterson who writes yeah. kids books. <laughs> but again, <laughs> James Patterson book versus James Patterson kids book. What's yeah. the difference? Then maybe the themes of the story. You know, it's interesting. You brought up about like the books you had when you were a very little kid. My actual initial love for reading stemmed from my mom would always read me books yeah. when I was a little kid, and I would memorize the books, uh, like some of my favorite books, and then I would pretend I was reading. Before I even knew how to read, I would read them out loud, but I was just you know reciting verbatim what I memorized. That would remind me, because my mom would read to me, too, and like she's always thought that like I wasn't like... Listening, because I'd be, like, just, like, fucking off, just, like, laying yeah. there, just doing weird shit, not really looking like I'm focusing. But then, like, she asked me questions afterwards, and I would answer the questions. But I remember one of the books was uh, Holes. Oh, yeah, Holes. Uh, so, I can't remember if we actually Shout finished Shout out it. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if they actually finished that or not. I think we tried Harry Potter for a little bit, but uh, I don't know. Also, too, like, whenever I was, like, younger, because, like, like, I got into sports and stuff a lot you know whenever i was still pretty young so like that took up a lot of any kind that of seems like that sucks a lot of kids time. away from reading i don't know if that's just me but from the like the people i know who got into sports early and i'm not talking about just like you know playing after school so i'm talking about like actually on the team going to practices doing summer baseball shit like that i noticed a lot of those people growing up aren't readers at all like, they just never got into reading. They never had the time. I, well, yeah. Like, you figure, like, a baseball schedule for, like, Pony League, and yeah. then you think of, like, a Little League football. Because most kids, like, do all the sports, too. Right. So, I, I, I can see that being almost detrimental. I, I, I brought up my mom reading to me because I think that's a very important thing that parents just, they, they should do, even if they don't yeah. like reading themselves. And I feel like a lot of parents don't do that to their kids. Like, they don't read them at, uh, stories to them at night. Uh, especially nowadays, they just like hand them a phone or, hey, well, you know, play a game on your phone or, look, you know, watch videos on this tablet or something. Like, read to your fucking kids. Even if you don't like reading it all yourself, you, like, you want your or, kids to read. Come or, on. Or hell no. Like, don't, if you don't feel like doing it, just fucking get an Audible book or something. And yeah, and have play, somebody yeah. read to the kid. Yeah. Play like a chapter or something a night. I was one of those kids when my mom would be done. I'd be like, no, just, you know, another one or a little more. Or, like, I didn't, you know, never get enough of it. And I was the kid who had the flashlight underneath the blanket at night. And my mom wasn't even checking up on me. She didn't give a fuck what I was doing. So <laughs> she thought I was doing something under the blankets. It was a lot worse than reading, but I would be under there with the flashlight just because I probably saw it on like Doug or something, but right. <laughs> some kid show. Uh, but I used to always do that. And you'll, you'll like this, Spencer. And it's a shame I can't even remember a single title, but some of the very first books I read is, again, before my comprehension was there to really understand what I was reading, I uh, would read my mom's Stephen King books because yeah. she was a big Stephen King uh, reader. And I think I even slipped in a few of the Dean Koontz she had. And uh, maybe that's the reason to this day I don't read Dean Koontz mm -hmm. because I must have had a bad experience as a kid. 
like on that uh, Kingcast podcast, you know, because one of the parts of the show they always ask these guests like their Stephen King uh, origin, origin story, yeah. um, and a lot of times it's whenever they were younger and their parents were you know reading, and it would just be like you know because Stephen King always had these cool covers mm-hmm. to his novels, so they would just be like drawn in by these by these covers. And reading things that they had no business to be reading at the ages that they were. Oh, yeah. Uh, Like I said, that's how I picked books when I went to my cousin's bookstore. Uh, I went by the covers. And I think that's why I ended up with a lot of fantasy stuff. Not just because the fantasy covers of the time were really cool. uh, Because most of the, you know, used bookstores, like, 60s and mostly 70s and 80s books where they had those cool hand-drawn covers. But now I think about it, I probably got a lot of fantasy because I bet you my cousin, she was probably in her 40s late 30s 40s at the time she probably kind of steered me away like if i came up with like a romance novel yeah. or a stephen king book she probably was like no nah, no nah, that's no good you don't want that what you want is that section mm. and she like i'm pretty sure that's how that went but probably why i got a lot of books for free too i actually still have i'll have to show you uh i have not all of them i just uh maybe a handful of those old paperbacks i found recently and i still have them uh which is kind of cool to go back and like, oh yeah i remember this oh that was what i wanted to bring up um, what was your first, I want to use the word jaunt, but then that brings me into the existential fucking nightmare of infinity. Um, what was the first book you personally sought out? I'm not talking about like book fair where you just see books or, you know, when you're a kid and you just see someone's like, Oh, I want it, I want that. I want, you know, something that you actually was like, Hey, that's a book I want. I'm going to go and, you know, buy it or have my parents buy it or something like that for me. And this was probably later. I probably wasn't even a teenager. Was that Edgar Allan Poe collection? I think that yeah. would have been something because I really wanted Edgar Allan Poe collection. Because there's like some Sherlock Holmes. Again, it was all stuff like I just kind of saw on the spot. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool. Which I still do all the fucking time. I'm like, oh, I want that. I want the whole collection of Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings now. <laughs> like, I do things like that still. But uh, the first book I think I actually sought out was like, hey, I need to buy that when I can find it or, you know. Uh, I saw it in the store. I need to go back and get that sometime. It was that Edgar Allan Poe collection. But that was probably, I might have even been like 20 at the time. I don't I don't think I was that young when I got that. Yeah, I was going to say it. Because I had prob- that at Walmart when we worked there. I would say it, it probably, um, like whenever I first started the Dark Tower, because, you know, they yeah. were doing, like, like I said before, they were doing the, the comic books. So I was like, well, I'm going to... At least start the book series before the comics start, you know. Mm-hmm. I know that they would get massively delayed and yeah, not oh, even yeah. really finished and stuff. So, but yeah, it'd probably be that. Or if you want to just like take the, because like I said, like I probably got into King the Worst Way by just going all Doc Tower first and reading other things. I remember like out of his, like one of the first ones that um, I was like really excited and was really looking forward to reading. Uh, was the Dead Zone? Mm. A just fucking killer name. Yeah, I mean the Dead Zone. Yeah, that's just awesome. Um, I knew like the subject matter and like kind of like what it was about with being able to see you know futures and things and right. stuff like that. And it still just falls like within that like that window like of his like first five or six novels or just like these you know for me like those first couple are always like. They just have like this, like this feel about them when, yeah. you, when you read them. That the nostalgia, maybe you're just you know it's just like that. Well, also too, like because like you said that those the beginning of his career, so he was you know still hungry or yeah. still just trying to prove himself. Like not trying to say that he's 
phoning it in now or just, you know, putting stuff out. But, you know. He had something to prove with yeah, every right, novel. Yeah, right, Whores. Whores. Always whores on that damn phone. Um, that's a good segue, actually, into what I was going to ask you. I wanted your opinion on this matter. First prostitute. <laughs> At, I'll bring it up here. Ashley sent because apparently he just likes to ruin my day early in the morning uh, by sending me things that make me mad. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, and if it's early for me, that means it's like two hours earlier for him where he is. But that's probably late for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's early for us. He found some fucking poll on the internet or somewhere on TV. I don't know. He said, I saw a recent poll given to the mass public. It was asking which the poll taker would rather get rid of if one had to go. TV, music, movies, or books. Oh, and I already know just book, reading that. I was yeah. just like, oh, God damn it. Now it's going to make me mad. So he said 8% said music, 11% said movies, 30% said TV, and 51% said books. And then, the really fucking pilot on me, he uh, said one of the comments was who, and he, he wrote it like they wrote it, yeah. so it was all fucked up, but... Who even reads anymore when movies are everywhere more important to our culture than books? That's the that's a quote of what he read. That so, also has to be from like a young guy. Well, most likely. Uh, but I think that's the polls. Like they wanted, you know, just, I don't know, the general public. So what made me very angry uh, when I was thinking about that. And then I don't know if it made me uh, not necessarily calm, but just kind of accepting was I thought about it and I thought to myself, one I can kind of see why modern fiction sucks a lot of the time now uh, because people, if they're so obsessed with, you know, TV and movies and stuff and they don't read at all uh, and they're just constantly glued to entertainment that's just, you know, coming at them, uh, their imaginations probably aren't very good. I would imagine almost non-existent for some people. If you're, especially now that you have generations born with, like a kid born in 2010, Whoa. they've not just had good internet their whole life but youtube twitter social media all this shit their whole life so they don't really have to think for themselves when it comes to entertainment meanwhile when we were kids not to say our generation was better or anything uh but you know the old member berries from the old nostalgia bomb here when we were kids like in the you know 80s babies and 90s babies we had to entertain ourselves a lot because your tv shows that you liked only came on at certain times and that was it. That was it. There was no rewatching. Uh, movies, you know, you can rent movies and stuff, but that wasn't like a thing that you do at all. I mean, maybe if you're an older person, like in your 20s at the time, you could just watch movies all the time. But as kids, we couldn't do that. Again, it was either what our parents got us or, you know, like my family, uh, we had uh, usually on the weekends, it'd be like, hey, you know, we're going to go down to the, because we had a local movie rental place. We go down there and you guys get a couple movies or games or, you know, uh, so we'd always do that. But, that was not an everyday occurrence. There wasn't just endless movies. There wasn't a Netflix where you could just watch movies. Um, Remember when Netflix was a mailing service? <laughs> they they mailed DVDs to you? Oh, that sounds sketchy as fuck to <laughs> me now. I remember when I was using Redbox and I was like, Netflix came out as an actual streaming service. And I was like, well, I guess it's the end of this fucking thing. Right. Like, who's going to use this? It's so inconvenient. Uh, that was that sweet period, though, when you can have Netflix for like a dollar and then you could have all these movies and stuff. And you didn't need 50 streaming services. There's only one. Now everything's a streaming service. But Blockbuster well, really fucked up by not doing that, by the way. They could have easily beat Netflix to the punch. Going back to, like, the movies and stuff. So, like, there was huge chunks of our time where we just had to entertain ourselves, you know. I played with, like, G.I. Joes and stuff. And I created stories. Even though it wasn't writing, it was I was always creating stories with well, my toys. I can't tell you how many, like, 
alternate like reality storyline like Dragon Ball. Oh yeah, you come I up with. with yeah, because I had a lot of those toys going up. You know, I mean, essentially what we were doing was fan fiction. Pretty much, yeah. Like I did, and I was big. You know, when we were little kids, I liked wrestling for a big uh, chunk. Like I don't know, when I was like ten to maybe fifteen or something, it was all about like wrestling, the attitude there and stuff. So I had all the wrestling toys, and I, what I would do is like, because uh, kids nowadays they're out there smoking crack and mm. you know prostituting at ten, but we played with toys like losers. Uh, so I would sit there and I would play with my toys and I'd come up with storylines like they do for the, you know, actual wrestling, but I'd come up with storylines and, oh, The Rock's going to kick your ass, mm. Undertaker, and have, like, this long, drawn-out thing. But I feel like kids don't do that now. Mm. Just to uh, go back real quick, what you were talking about, like, just, like, how much more entertainment things, like, because there's been, like, multiple, like, uh, comic, like, podcasts i listen to and when they're talking to creators or even talking to like uh you know owners of shops and stuff they bring up it's just like you're not just trying to outsell the like the next comic book you guys you're going up against movies and shows yeah and just sports which and holds like, people's entertainment yeah. a lot easier than comics do yeah and lot, and then you know whenever you get into the the pricing of things uh. and stuff but i mean that goes with you know that goes the same with just regular reading or just i mean even other like shows and stuff like how many shows have you probably wanted to watch but you can't ever get to just any, never gonna get any, to them. any of them yeah, there's just an overabundance of stuff. Meanwhile, in the 90s, like, we would have a select handful of things that would be like, hey, we're watching this, and that's what we're going to watch, and it's fine. Toonami, when it was on during oh, the day, fuck, yeah. when it was the daytime, fucking... You know what makes me most sad about all that, though, is, uh, like, looking back on it, Eric, I'm sure if kids look back now, it's like, what? You had fucking phones connected to the wall? <laughs> you fucking had dial-up? What is dial-up? Like, because my family, we were very late to the computer. I didn't, honestly, I didn't have my first computer with internet until I was an adult and got it myself. Yeah. Like, I just, that wasn't a thing for my, you know, my feelings. We were poor. Uh, even cable was like, unless we can get a deal or steal it, we didn't have cable <laughs> a lot of the time either. We had to do the old skin of Max. You see the titty all blurry and like. One's over here, the one's over there. Yeah, and that's what you got and you liked it. Uh, and there's a whole discussion about pornography in the youth today that you can have with the oh. ease of access. I would be wrecked if I was <laughs> oh. a young man, not like in my teen, like early teen. Now I'd be. I, that's all I'd do. I'd probably be a sex addict or <laughs> something. Be a fiend. And no dirty playboys hidden in the ceiling. Like, nope. Because my uncle had playboys in the ce- ceiling tiles, and I remember finding. Them. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what? And I was like, oh my god, they have hair down there. <laughs> and like that was a revelation. But now it's like that's nothing. Like fuck. You see that when you're like five years old, probably. Anymore. Now it's that can fit there. Wow. Um. Yeah. So I don't. But that, again, that's that's a different podcast. That's not even this podcast. We shouldn't be talking about that. What's that person eating? Ew, poopies. <laughs> so reused corn. What does that mean? Picking <laughs> it out. Um. <laughs> uh. But going back to like the imagination and stuff. I mean, there's always the '60 era era of creativity, which was like very heavy drug stuff. And then the 80s had a very specific feel, and a lot of that comes from like, the cocaine well, and crazy culture. But- and also about, like, that time, too, like, that's, like, a first. Like, if you look at just, like, human history and, like, culture at that time, like, I mean, I'm sure during, like, you know, different time periods, like, over in, in Europe and things and stuff like that, you probably had something similar. But, like, at least here in America, that's, like, the first time, like, Free kind of thinking and just like 
the 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 okay to because could you imagine maybe trying to do some of that stuff even during like the twenties oh, or something no, like that? You like you wouldn't be able to. But I mean, just like of just the creativity yeah. of like trying to create something like. Well, I think the nineties was one of the most creative times for experimental work. Uh, you look at the weird cartoons, the weird shows like Pete and Pete. Oh, you look yeah. at uh, the fiction of the time. Like everything was just new and exciting. And it's it's not like now it's very formulaic, not even going into reboot stuff like rehashing stuff or doing things based on nostalgia like Stranger Things and things like that. We just have like this culture now where everything's very same. Uh, and I think that's why so many people want to stand out and like have wacky hair and try to. But then they all look the same anyway. Right. Like it's like you all do the stupid fucking front perm for guys where they got the big dumb poof in the front. But they all do it. So you look the same. You're not standing out. Uh, and that's every generation has that. Like, well, I the mean, like, and the... well, I mean, like, I don't know about you, but whenever I was younger, I was part of the spiky hair. Yeah, like, I had spiky hair for t- a while. Taking way too much time before school. Yeah. Fucking, <laughs> and like way too much. Like, I like I'm surprised I still have a scalp. My like, it would get to the point where you like could put a book on top of it and it wouldn't like bend. My brother, who is five years older than me. Uh, so he was an actual teenager in the 90s. He went through a punk phase, and he super glued spikes into his hair, yeah. and then afterwards realized what a bad idea that was and had to go bald. I don't know how he got that out, but like it's just very sad to see where fiction and stuff is gone because like there's just a very like the people who are creating still some of the most entertaining stuff are all older. They're all probably like Gen X people for the most part. I mean, there are people in our age bracket, but. A lot of them are like 40s and 50s and even 60s. Like still, Stephen King's still popping out books that people really care about. Not all of that's just because, you know, he's such a good writer and he's fun and makes good stories. Like a lot of that is just because there's not much else to compete with that's really quality. And we don't even have to like do the addition of like woke culture or anti-woke culture or politics or any of that stuff into the fiction. We're just talking about the actual stories themselves. Because uh, you look at like a lot of the... YA stuff and the commercial fiction, a lot of it's like the same fucking stories. Like, they're not very different. Yeah, even like if you just like looking at the cover, you're just like, are all these the same? Like, is this whole wall just a series of this because they look very similar? I hate that. I hate modern book covers. I don't, I think we had a, not an episode about this, but I'm pretty sure we talked about it. But even like Stephen King stuff and like just most modern book covers fucking suck. Like, they just don't, they don't draw me in. They just look all, like you said, the same, and you don't even know what the book's about most of the time. That's probably one of the reasons why, uh, because, like, the past few years, there have been a huge, like, uh, manga boom, like, manga and anime. Because they're more original. And, yeah, and we've talked about this before, you know, in different episodes, but, like, that's, like, I, one of the reasons, like, I find myself gravitating to manga and, like, more animes is just because of, like, the different kind of stories that they're telling. I don't know if it's the, because of the culture thing over it. You well, know? even if they're not original, they're original to us. Right. Because we have... Well, that's why I read a lot of Japanese fiction, because it's just a different perspective on life. Uh, like, even, like, the Haruki Murakami stuff we read. Or, like, Coin Locker Babe is a good example, because that's a more... So, like, in the 80s. Just seeing 80s Japan compared to, like... Because oh, we know yeah. 80s in the United States and... uh you know, Western Hemisphere, just even 80s Japan, it's like, whoa, this is, like, fucking weird. And then it's just, like, it's cool to get that perspective on stuff. I do worry, like, what's fiction and not even going into movies and TV and stuff, because I feel like that's already hit the bland. Everything's the same wall. There's very rarely unique stuff coming out, and the stuff that is coming out that's unique, most of it's not by young filmmakers or uh, young directors or anything that I see. Um, I'm not, like, a big 
Like, I I wouldn't say I'm a cinema buff. Like, I like old cinema history and stuff like that. But I'm not, like, one of those guys that watch every fucking movie and all that stuff. Uh, same with TV shows. I watch very little TV anymore. But when it comes to, like, fiction, what's it going to be when, like, the generation born after 2000, um, so, like, the Gen Z and whatever after them, what's it going to be like? Like, what's their fiction going to be? Like, what stories are they telling when most of them that's very generalized. I shouldn't say most of them, but again, with the pandemic and everything, I mean, I feel like you can kind of general generalize to a degree because when are these kids able to go out and live? They got to wear fucking mask and they got to like, you know, worry about getting shot up in school and they got like everything's trauma, trauma, trauma. And you can't blame the kids for that, obviously, but like what kind of fiction are they going to be able to have? And well, then all the stuff they're, they're going to, they're going to either have very, uh, truncated or like stunted fiction, or they're gonna be able to take those experiences and and stuff like that and use it to to hopefully you know as a either as um inspiration mm-hmm. or of just with coming up with ideas or whatever. Because I mean, if you just like look at us, this this whole COVID nineteen that's what this is like. The third or fourth, like, airborne virus. Yeah. Then, now, granted, this one had been way more serious than any of the other ones. But still, if you look back, just from, like, from when we were in middle school, you know, we had both flu. We had spine flu. We had SARS. We had... Don't forget mad cow disease. Mad cow disease. Like, we had constant bomb threats, Mm. you know. um, know. And I think that's why a lot of millennial fiction is very dark. Yeah, because we've... We're the fucking Columbine generation, pretty much. Like, that was, like, kind of the end of Gen X, I think. And then we came about into... Yeah, because what Columbine was, like, 97, I think, or something, something like that? Yeah, mid-90s. So, so we're like... in high school in the early 2000s. So, yeah, we're, like, right after that. And then I really, I really, really wish I could say that our generation was the peak of school shootings. But, fuck, it's gone up so much more no. after our yeah. generation. It's fucking terrible. And, like, it just... I can't imagine being a kid. Like, if I had a kid, they'd be homeschooled or private school or something. I could not... Like, I, don't, I just don't think I could send a kid to public school. I'd be terrified because it's just like I deliver these schools. And you know how easy it is for me to get into places like when I just deliver to schools. So it wouldn't be hard for somebody that really wants to go in there and shoot yeah. up the place just to get in. Uh, and I deliver to like a lot of different area schools. It's not just like one school district, like a bunch of them. So I can see like uh, how that shit happens. And it's fucked up. Like thinking of like the Gen Z stuff and like the fiction that's going to come from their generation. I think it'd go one of two ways. And I'm I'm hoping for the latter here. I think it could either be they have like this stunted imagination from all this technology and trauma that they aren't able to tell unique original stories. They just kind of tell, you know, rehash what they grew up with or the stories that like we're seeing now where everything's like a reboot or a rehash or things like that. Or two, uh, which is what I'm really hoping for, is there's like a big creative boom and uh, we have like a new... Um, you know, like postmodernism type of movement. Like we have a new uh, lost generation type of movement. We have a new movement of writers and creators who come out and really want to stretch that, uh, you know, like bust through that imaginary wall and just go into like experimental unknown. Like every, I think, I feel like every 30 years you get something like that. Like we had the 60s, we had the 90s. Um, You think of like... uh, because the Lost Generation, what they were doing was new and unique compared to, like, you think of, like, the Edgar Allan Poe's and the Mark Twain's and that kind of stuff. 
but fiction was fairly new at that time. Like commercialized fiction in the 20s, like that was kind of a new thing, just having books, not things that are just printed in newspaper, magazines type of things. So I would say you have, uh, and, and this goes by genre too, because like you think of like sci-fi, that's probably more of the 50s and 70s. And obviously like horror and stuff, I think that came about more in the 70s and 80s. Uh, then peaked in like the ni- early 90s. Um, then comic books, they have their own trajectory. Yeah. But I would really like to see like the kids now really try to experiment and change things and uh, think in a way that our generation hasn't been able to because we didn't grow. Because could you imagine what it would be like growing up with so much technology that like, oh, yeah. cons- like this fucking thing that rules my life is dumbass phone. Like I couldn't imagine being glued to TikToks at eight oh, years old. Right. <laughs> like I would never get anything done. Like I would have never been able to play with my toys and have any kind of imagination grow because I would have been doing that, watching other people do stuff. Well, I, I do feel that we'll again to the point that uh, especially as we're talking about like the generations after us, I think whatever does survive and is being made, I don't. I think it's gonna all be, or not all be, but the majority. It's gonna be like, uh, you know, like Kindles or on your yeah. phone. I, I unfortunately do see the way of like the physical copy book, not you know what I mean, becoming more of an antique or kind of thing. Like physical know, book would become the typewriter. Yeah, yeah. kind of, yeah, because, I mean, just, like, you know, people aren't going to want to have either have the space for it. It's going to be for, like, those people. Rich people. Oh, yeah, people who want to, you know, like, collect things or stuff yeah. like that. Like, I, I think that there will always be bookstores, and there will probably always be, like, newer printed books, but I could definitely see, like, it being, like, 80-20 digital. Yeah. Well, China has, I think, like this giant bookstore. It's all digital. You just point to something, and I don't I don't know how it works. But I was just thinking, like, that's depressing. Like, I like being able to flip through a book. Uh, that's another thing. We'll end on this. I mean, it has its good things, but it's also... Yeah. Well, I feel like this current generation, even, they're really missing out on the experience of, like, the used bookstore and the... Uh, because even you go into Barnes and Noble, it's not the same. No, I mean no. it's cool to go in. And you can look up books, and it like, but it doesn't have that magical quality. Say of even like a Caliban's in Pittsburgh has, where you go in there and it's like just all these used books stuff, but you can just like get lost and, in the racks. And it's so because like you know you go to like a Barnes and Noble or like a Books a Million, and you know that there's like certain books. Like I've been looking whenever we the last time we were. In, we were in Michigan and we were at the uh, literati literati. And I got that one book up there. It was from a comic book author that I like, but it was the second book. Um, and I mean like the two books don't, they're, they're completely separate. They don't go together at all. No. But I wanted to get his first book and it's like, you know, I go back. Hey, uh, you know, ask one of the ladies that like bonds or nobles, whatever. Like, Hey, do you know if you guys have this? And I'm like, no, we can order it, but it's like if I'm gonna order it, I'm probably just gonna order it from Amazon. It's cheaper, and do yeah. it myself. Like you know what I mean? Well, uh, here's the really depressing thing. I think about this from time to time. M- me and Mindy were driving. I forget where we were coming from, but uh, one the one sub place that I grew up with, they burned down and now they reopened. It's like a soul food place now, and it was a very. I was depressed about that, but I looked like right next door because that was the Talkies movie rental place. Uh, when I was a kid, and that's where we always rented movies. And I just started thinking about like when I was a kid, and me and my brother would walk down there, and uh, we'd, we'd look through the movies and stuff, and we would talk to the guy that worked there, and he would tell us about movies, and we'd mm. be there for like 
two hours just fucking shooting the shit. And we weren't, you know, we we're pretty young, but I was just thinking like, that's the same thing in bookstores. We didn't really ever got to have that experience here too much. Like I said, I have my cousin's bookstore, but that went out of business. But like our area doesn't have used bookstores anymore. And the used bookstore is really going out. Even just like local bookstores with new books. Like the Literati was a cool place. If we lived in Ann Arbor, I would be there all the time and just talking to people. And it's like, it's cool. You get to share an interest. Like you go to the comic book shop. I like Pittsburgh comics. You go there, you just shoot the shit, talk, you know, you end up there longer than you are, uh, you know, just fucking picking up a book and leaving. Mm -hmm. You're there for a long time, just talking, having a good time and you form connections and you learn about new books and old, you share your favorite books. You don't get that with digital. You don't get that if you're just buying off of Amazon. And I feel like that's what this new generation is going to miss is that personal connection. It's also, it's hard for me to be like, well, like, you know, like I just told you, like, I just I just bought a whole bunch of um, digital of co- copies of uh, Paulie Cooley's, like his first couple things. Yeah. I read those and I like those. I can't be like, oh, hey, Caleb, borrow my Kindle and check yeah. these out. Yeah, that's fucking poop. And that, go- that goes with like the library, too. Like the library is one of those places. But I mean, I- when's the last time you've been to the library? I haven't been in the library for fucking years, uh, which is kind of depressing. Um. But I like I like buying books. Yeah, I'm greedy like that. I like to own them. Um, because I let people borrow them. But I just like. Could you imagine growing up when you everything like you're? It just feels so lonely. Like you're just sitting on your couch or in your house, and I just think of quarantine when everyone was locked up, and it was like I couldn't imagine being in a big city just fucking locked up. All you know, all this cool stuffs out there, but you can't go enjoy it. You can't go dancing or drinking or going out to eat. You can't do anything. You just have to sit in your fucking shitty apartment. And I was like, imagine if you had to do that and there was no pandemic. Like, that's just your life. It's like, oh, I'm going to watch a movie on my TV. I'm not going to go to the movie theater. I'm going to read a book that I download digitally and don't have to go anywhere to get that book. I'm going to play a video game that I had to buy because I can't rent video games. Like, it's just... It just seems very lonely existence, like a future that I don't want to be a part of. Like, I don't want that. Like, I want the, I'm not even, like, I'm an introvert, but I still like being able to go to places and just be around other people enjoying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm in a cafe and I'm reading a book, like, I don't even have to talk to people. I'm just like, oh, it's cool that there's other people doing the same thing, drinking a coffee, reading a book. You know, if I'm somewhere writing out in public, I'm just like, oh, it's kind of cool that there's other people that do this. But if you're just alone in your fucking house all the time. Well, I mean, like, how many times, like, have we went to a convention and, like, you've just got into a random, like, two-minute conversation with somebody you bumped into while you go, like, you're like, oh, dude, that's a cool shirt. Yeah, man. Oh, did you ever read the 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 story that so and so wrote? With, you know what yeah. I mean, like that, and you know, and then you might never see that person ever again. But you know, but you don't get any of that if it's all digital. That's where we're gonna leave the audience. Filling in the technology is bad as you listen to a podcast on technology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> technology's not bad. It's just the overabundance and misuse of it is. So, folks, I don't want to leave you in the melancholic mood that I was in when I thought up this topic very so, quickly. So, na 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 boo boo, na 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 boo boo. Go to drunkenpenwriting.com on the internet <laughs> to read our fiction that's digital. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking double-edged sword twitter facebook instagram you know the name by now i shouldn't have to tell yes but if you can't support your local bookstore man yeah if you have any i mean even like if if it's like a barnes and noble or whatever because 
here soon, they're probably not going to be around for a while. Yeah. And you know what? I'll tell you this, Spencer. Uh, if a blockbuster was still around again, and that's the just the sad thing, we're like lamenting the loss of chain places now, right? Like, cause like blockbuster, I didn't start going to blockbuster until my local fucking movie place closed down, and then I had to go to blockbuster because it was the only thing. Yeah, no, but like, if they had local rent a movie places, I might actually go to those again just to be able to do. It. Like, I just feel like we need something like that, but especially the used bookstore. I think. Uh, there's no reason they can't succeed other than people don't want to read, uh, which is depressing. Here, here. We'll just keep writing and, you know, see what happens. Maybe, but maybe, like I said, Gen Z might revive everything. Maybe they'll have a nostalgia boom when they're in their 20s and 30s and they'll want to bring back the things they never got to experience. Maybe they won't know how shitty it is going to Blockbuster and spending $20 on a movie. Like, maybe they'll want that experience. I don't know. <laughs> that you had to watch in two days or you're going to get paid another $5. You had to put the VHS in the fucking rewind thing and rewind it. And then it goes, and you're like, ah, oh, God damn it. Um, Anyway, thanks for listening, and we will check you next week with hopefully a more upbeat topic. Probably not. Probably not.